2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 15. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work within us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. This morning, the passage that uh, my sister Katie just read on the video is the passage to which I'd like to see us turn, if we may. So if you will, if you have your Bible or your app or whatever, whatever tool you're using, head for 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 15. We have already prayed together in this service that Christ would be magnified in our lives. In fact, we prayed that Christ would be magnified on the altar of our lives. That, in fact, is truly dangerous because the altar is no innocuous, harmless place. The altar is the place of sacrifice. The altar is the place of bloodshed and relinquishment. We do not leave the altar. If we come to the altar, we do not leave as we were when we came. And so, my title this morning, The Life of the Walking Dead. It's not a reference to pop culture zombies. Not terribly interested in pop culture zombies. But I want us this morning to think biblically about the true and ultimate reason that we're here. If we intend, and I did not select that song, though I have now in two services been moved greatly by it, that Christ would be magnified in us on the altar of our lives. Let's, um, let's talk about that. And I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. I'll go ahead and give you the end from the beginning. Our theme for this year's GIC is all in. And I have been blessed and challenged the last couple of days hearing from so many of our, our missionary guests about, about the, the various methods they are employing and the various geographies they represent but, a, but a, a common strong thread of the magnification of Christ and the, and the advancement of his gospel message. And my prayer 
for you is that if there is not a specific, explicit, tangible connection between your life as you are living it today and engagement in the mission of our Savior to seek and save the lost by various means in various places, but that you will find your way to being all in. It's gonna require some rearrangement. You're overscheduled. How do I know that? Everybody is. You're probably overspent. How do I know that? Everybody is. You've probably got lots of life and lots of loves. But there's only one enterprise in which we engage, where the consequences are literally eternal. There can only be one thing that matters most. I'm not gonna read the passage again all the way through, I'll read it as we go, but Roman number one, if we're gonna live the life he has for us, the life of the walking dead, it will be in his power. In his power, verses seven through nine. Last, last Sunday morning in our, uh, for those of you who are our guests, we're making our way in these early months of 2023 through the early chapters of the book of Genesis, looking at some very, very foundational things. In fact, the most foundational things. And last uh, Sunday morning, Pastor Kerry walked us through Genesis chapter three and the most cataclysmic event that ever occurred in God's universe, the fall. It is the fall that necessitated the crucifixion of Christ. It is the fall where sin and death came into God's creation for the first time when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and as the, the heads, the representative leaders of all of mankind to come behind them, plunged us all into the state of sin and lostness. And because of that, our lives are, are marred and marked. The image of God in us is diminished. And, and we, we become less significant. We become weaker. We become victimized, first and foremost, by our own sin. And because we live in a world full of sinners, we're victimized by the sins of each other. But look what happens as the power of Christ is magnified in our lives. First letter A in your outline, we receive value for our insignificance. We have this treasure in jars of clay. First phrase in verse seven. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Now Paul's first century readers would have followed that word picture. That, that jars of clay there is a, is a reference to the most common uh, disposable clay pots you'd have around the house. They would be used for, for uh Temporary storage of, of low-cost commodities, like if you went to the marketplace to buy a bunch of, of grain, maybe you'd carry one of these pots. Or later in that pot's life, it might, it might serve as, as, well, what old-fashioned language would call a chamber pot in the corner of your house. And worth so little that at that point, you don't clean it up and reuse it. You just take it out somewhere and smash it and be done with it. It's not worth much these common earthen vessels. 
And yet sometimes, and archaeologists find these all the time, sometimes if, you, if a household had some small object of value, some little piece that actually might mean something, one of the ways they would hide it is they would put it in one of these everyday, meaningless, valueless, disposable clay pots and bury it out in the yard. And, and if people dug it up, they wouldn't mess with it because they know what's sometimes in those pots. So it was a great way to hide things of value, and archaeologists come up with them all the time. So with us. The fall has rendered us, well, less than we could have been. And yet we receive value as we carry within us this treasure he's referring to in verse seven is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The very previous verse, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, says verse six. And we have that in our clay pot lives. Our significance has been given amazing value because of Jesus. We gain strength for our weakness. He says we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. No matter how many Chinese balloons fly overhead. We gain strength. Because those things which concern us most are not the things of this earth. We are, we are prone to be seen differently, heard differently. In various times and places down most of history, oppressed. But we are not first and foremost concerned with what's going around on, on around us in the current affairs of this world. Fixing this world is not our mission. Rescuing out of the wreck of this world those who will turn from their sin and come to faith in Christ, that is our mission. And that mission proceeds. If, look, if, if I thought the purpose of my life was to fix stuff on earth, I'd have given up by now. I'd be done. I know that winners never quit and quitters never win. But if you never win and you never quit, you're playing the wrong game. Now, some of you are going to have to go back to the video to figure out what I just said. <laughs> but I ain't wrong. We're not in the planet Earth fixing business. Now, I know that we are salt and light in putrid and dark places because of who we are in Christ. But that's not mission one. Mission one is to join our Lord in his mission to seek and save the lost. And in that mission, we are given strength in place of our weakness. And let her see, we realize victory in our victimhood. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We, we do not despair because we are assured of ultimate, full, and final victory. Remember, despairing is the opposite of joy. Joy and despair will not coexist. So let's, let's remind ourselves what joy is. 
Joy is that settled confidence of knowing that everything that matters forever has been taken care of forever. That is the inheritance of every believer. Every believer should be locked in and settled in the confidence that everything that's gonna matter forever has been settled forever in Christ because it has. And if you've got that, then you don't find yourself or you should not find yourself as susceptible to despairing. Let me tell you what the rest of it's gonna look like. Believing friend, child of God. Assuming the Lord's return is yet a way away and I don't know and you don't either. But assuming your life fits the pattern that lives have fit for millennia past, you're about to put together a run of days. Some of them are gonna be okay and I'm glad. Some of them are gonna stink, and I'm sorry. And then you're gonna stand before God. Yes, I've just given you a prophetic word about your own future. Because that's how it plays out. Just know that. Follow Jesus with everything you've got in his power. Roman numeral two showing his picture. And by the way, you can't, you can't possess the power of that treasure hidden in your earthly vessel of your life if you don't know Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've not come to faith in Christ, have not repented of your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior, first let me say I'm glad that you're here and you are so, so very welcome. This, this place is a place where we want you to be because we want you to hear the message of salvation that is found only in Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that the body of Christ at McGregor will be sharing that message out and about as they live their lives. But you certainly are welcome to come here and can be confident that here you will hear the message of salvation that's found in Christ. Which message you must, you must receive. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. That's what God has said in his word. And that this morning, that's what he's saying to you if you don't know Jesus. Many of you do. And I'm glad about that too. We walk in his power. We show, Roman 2, we show his picture. Again, you prayed it. Christ be magnified in me. Christ, be magnified in me. Lord, be a bigger deal in my life. In fact, on the altar of my life, as I die to self, so that you would be perceived as a bigger deal. We don't, mag we don't make Christ bigger when we magnify him. He's already big. But we show him more clearly. Death to my selfishness. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. That is, I, I live in an awareness of sacrifice. My preferences, my priorities, my goals, my aspirations, my desires, all of it to the altar. The whole why of my life to the altar doesn't mean I can't be 
faithful and effective in, in the vocational role to which God has called me. Whatever role that is all across the room. Doesn't mean that I don't love my family. Doesn't mean that I'm not a good neighbor to my neighbors. But the why at the heart of all of it centers on death to my own selfishness. My own agenda on the altar so that the life of my Savior can be magnified. Carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest man that ever lived. And John the Baptist said, I've got to become less of a big deal so Jesus can become more of a big deal. And if that was true of the greatest man that ever lived, it's true of us. May we mean less to ourselves in terms of our own passions, priorities, and pursuits so that there would be noteworthy space in our lives for that which matters most. And that is conveying the gospel message of Jesus Christ starting right where we are to the ends of the earth. Roman numeral three, for his purpose. For his purpose. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, and he quotes Psalm 116.10, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Letter three, our number three, letter A, we speak what we believe. We speak what we believe. Um, I, I am very much in favor of training people to share their faith. I've lost count of how many training programs have, have come through the lives of churches that I've belonged to just since becoming an adult. And that's a good thing. But here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a small negative byproduct of that much available training. I fear that in the hearts and minds of many, we've turned evangelism into some sort of hyper-specialist work. Some sort of, of technique-heavy, nearly academic enterprise. And I don't think that's a good idea. Many of you in this room are saved. And if you're saved, you know how it happened. And if you're saved and you know how it happened, you know how to tell somebody how it could happen to them. Brother, sister, it is no more complicated than that. Should you memorize a bunch of scripture to have it at the ready? Of course. Is it a bad idea to put together some rudimentary apologetics to answer questions? Okay. Tell people about Jesus. Tell them how he saved you. 
Tell them you were lost and now you're found. About the dumbest thing I've ever heard is when somebody says, tell people about Jesus, use words if necessary. Wow, that's dumb. Please don't say that. The gospel is good news and good news is words. And if you're not sharing the good news, you, there ain't no way to do that without words. Feed the hungry, use food if necessary. There's no other way to do it. Now, I think the people who say that mean to say, let the character of your life so align with your message that when you do share your faith, you're not jarringly different than what you're talking about. And that's probably a good idea. Speak what you believe. Speak, letter B, knowing your future. Knowing, verse 14, that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Child of God, you're going to live forever in the presence of Jesus. You're going to be a part of celebrating the fact that he has called out for himself a people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Oh, I want for you so badly for you to be in on that. I want you to find yourself at the end celebrating what he's done through you. Never have I been much of an athlete. Never played an organized team sport. Just not good at that stuff. But I think if I declared myself a member of a team. And we had a crucial game. I think in the locker room at the end of that game, I would not want to have a clean jersey on. I think at the end of a game, I would want some mud and grass stains, maybe a drop or two of blood on my jersey. So that when we celebrate, I'm not celebrating as one who watched it from the sideline. When I get home to heaven, I want to get home tired. I want to get home spent. I want to get home having been all in. Because I know where I'm going. Letter C, we speak for the love of others. We speak for the love of others. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake. Do you understand that the reality of heaven, my born again friend, the reality of heaven that you rightfully anticipate, that heaven is no more real than hell is. There is the heartbreaking reality of hell. Hell is claiming mankind by the millions all around us. There are people in your neighborhood who have never had anyone take the time in an eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball way to tell them how they can live forever with Jesus and their sin forgiven. And they're going to face him. Well, you said, well, they don't, they don't believe in God. You 
you do know that doesn't matter, right? That he claims over them the prerogatives of creator and king, whether they acknowledge his existence or not, is immaterial. They will face him one day. And you, one of his ambassadors, lives within a house or two, or a condo door or two, of where they're living out their life on a collision course with hell. Do you love them? Has, has it occurred to you that God has positioned you where he has positioned you knowing that he has put a witness and an ambassador in close proximity to significant lostness? You can't opt out. Let alone the phenomenal opportunities that exist a bit further afield than your own neighborhood, workplace, school, family. We speak for the love of others because they're going to get lost forever if they don't come to faith in Jesus. Well, I don't want to push them away. There is no further away than where they're going. You needn't fear that. I love you, but what you mean is you're, you're not willing to risk pushing them away from you because they're your buddy. And you know that it will change the relationship if you start talking about eternal things. But consider their first five minutes in hell wondering why you never brought it up. I thought they loved me. And yet I find myself here with no warning. Let's not, let's not do that. We speak for love of others and finally we speak for the glory of God. So that, verse 15, middle of the verse, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. As more and more people come to faith in Christ, thanksgiving is increased to the glory of God. Is that not what we're after? And to the degree we're after that, we're after what he's after. His own greater glory. This morning on this campus, where you're first steps may be no further than your life group this morning, or your first steps may be no further than Main Street. You can connect with and find your way into partnering with three different ministries that I know of that are involved in the life of the unborn and ministry to those families. Not with a political agenda, though there is, of course, work to be done there, but a gospel agenda. You can get involved in, in feeding and clothing those in need, either through our own McGregor Food Pantry and Clothes Closet or through world-class agricultural missions. And there's a space for you to get involved in that. You can get involved in helping Little children who have been born, who are, who are displaced from functioning in a healthy family. You can get involved in that right here in Fort Myers, Florida, or in Haiti, 
You can get involved in discipling students into being the type of young adults that are, that are more effective in their faithfulness following Jesus. We do that right here on this campus. You can right now, today, as close as Main Street, connect with folks that are doing that in the Dominican Republic or Ireland or Hungary or the mountains of North Carolina. You want to see new churches come into existence because people come to faith in Christ in small cell-type, house-type movements? You can get involved in that right here in Fort Myers or the Peruvian highlands or the Himalayas in Nepal. All with people that you could have a conversation with before you leave this campus today. Three things I want to ask that you would ask the Lord to give you. I'm going to be more direct in my application than I sometimes am. I'm going to be very, very specific what my prayer is for you, that you would ask the Lord for the following three things, and then I'll be done. First, that you would ask the Lord for a broken heart. For a broken heart. I, I know that if you're a part of this church, you understand the reality of lostness. As, a, as an understanding matter, as a brain matter, I get that you get it. I even, I even believe that you care. I truly do. The problem is we're busy. We're committed. Life is happening. And so we put together tomorrow, we put together a, a Monday that looks like we don't care. It's not that we don't care, it's just we've got so many other things going on. And then we come out of that into a Tuesday that also looks like we don't care. And then a Wednesday. And then before you know it, we've assembled a whole week where we're not engaged at all in seeking and saving the lost. And then a couple of weeks, and a month, and a year. And it's not that our heart's not broken, it's that it's not broken enough. So I'm asking, I'm asking you to ask Jesus, Lord, my heart is not as broken as it ought to be. Break it. Second thing, willing hands. Willing hands. I have no idea which of the dozens of opportunities this conference puts in front of you right now and there's much more that is represented at this conference, but this conference puts it right there at the net for you. I don't know how the Lord might specifically have gifted you and gotten you to a place in life where you could be used by him. Are your hands willing? With a broken heart, may we have willing hands. Lord, here am I, send me. And finally, moving feet. Moving feet. It is fascinating that a journey to the ends of the earth for you might begin with a walk to Main Street. But that could literally be the case. That you might find yourself in the months ahead bearing the gospel to places you never knew you'd 
go because on Sunday morning, the 5th of February, you said, you know what? I'll walk over to Main Street and strike up a couple conversations, see what God might have for me. All in. May we, as a congregation, be more than a self-contained, growing, healthy church, as wonderful as those things are. May we be engaged at home and far, far away in his mission by many, many means and methods to package the message of the gospel to the world. May we be all in. And one other thing. I found out that it's hard, it's hard to give to something I haven't prayed about. And it's hard to remember to pray for something that I'm not interested in investing in. Our annual GIC offering starts today. This is the this, along with our prayers, this prayer and this giving is the arterial blood of our relationship with these missionaries. This offering envelope is in the GIC information folder you were given, I believe, as you came in this morning. Lord, would it be possible, Lord, for you to enable me to give a bit more than I gave last year to this? And if for you, that's a step from zero to something, praise God. If that's a step for you from something to a bit more something, well, praise God. Give in order that you pray more effectively and pray in order that you give more effectively and get all in.